Yeah. All right, we need to we need to fix one thing real quick here before we start. Doug, should we put like a fake background so we can compete with John's background? <laughs> I, I know. I I know. What is that real? What the fuck, bro? What the <laughs> fuck, dude? He's in like the Trump penthouse. <laughs> Homie's in the Trump penthouse. Doug's that in, is in like sick, a closet. Bro. Doug's in a closet and I'm in my living room. <laughs> Welcome to the Find Your Freedom podcast. Our guest today is John Kiekel. He is a full-time real estate investor who has been providing affordable homeownership opportunities to lower and middle class families across our nation for over a decade now. He is one of my business partners and has taught me so much about real estate, particularly with regard to creative financing strategies. On today's episode, we'll be discussing partnerships, networking at conferences, lifestyle design, getting your work done while you travel, the mental health aspects that go into business success, and much, much more. Please remember to subscribe, share, like, and write us a quick review. Appreciate you helping to spread the word about the Find Your Freedom podcast. Really enjoyed this conversation today, and I hope you do too. Welcome to the Find Your Freedom podcast, John. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome, John. We're excited to share your entrepreneurship story today. I heard like super on in my life in college, like, oh, get into real estate. That's where you're going to make all your money. And I didn't. <laughs> so I'm excited. So I'm excited to hear uh, your expertise and how you got into it, and how it's worked out for you. Yeah. So in 2003, I actually just started kind of, uh, I got licensed as a realtor. Really, that's how I got introduced to it. I had some friends that were in the mortgage industry business and doing quite well. And so I went and got my real estate license and just dove right in, which was great because you get to learn the basics. You get to go through the school do all that and then learn contracts, negotiations, uh, evaluating property, whatnot. So yeah, got introduced into that. 2003 did that until 2009. And then obviously the market crashed. And that was uh, the time where I had to kind of reinvent my whole strategy in real estate. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. At that point, I kind of nobody was lending money so i had to go a different direction and that led me into distressed assets which is where i ended up uh meeting doug at condor capital as an asset manager so it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it steered me in a direction that i wanted to go anyways which is investing so isn't that wild isn't that wild how these terrible situations really can you know just open up new doors and new paths that you never even would have thought about before yeah, so true. It was interesting because when I was licensed, I had a really good run. I was rookie of the year the first year. I had a really nice career for several years, but my heart just wasn't in it. Like at the end, I just got tired of showing, you know, kitchens and doing the whole retail side. And I really, I had the desire to be an investor, but I didn't really know what to do. And so I dabbled a little bit in it while I was a realtor and it didn't work out so hot. But in my heart, I really want to make that transition. And so I really feel like the universe kind of served me up a favor, even though it was very painful. You know, I look back now and it was exactly what I needed to kind of give me that nudge to, to make the move to Orange County, California, get the, get my foot in the door of the company like Condor Capital and, and learn the asset management game, like really get on the inside of how, you know, large institutions are actually buying assets, managing assets and disposing of assets. And that really, you know, was a huge game changer for me. It was almost like, going to college for real estate, you know, which is exactly what I needed because the properties I invested in as a realtor, I just, frankly, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I had had the sales down, but I was just a lot more to it. A lot, a lot more to it. So you moved so how, out, you moved out to, um, California to take the job at Condor or how did that work when you moved out in 2009? Not actually the to uh, take the job, I my wife was from Orange County and we met in Scottsdale, but she was really wanting to go back there. She had some family out there. And, you know, when the market crashed and the realtor business just kind of dried up, um, we were considering other other options. So we wanted to make a move back to Orange County. She just was, you know, telling me that that was more of a, a fit for what she wanted. And I thought I'd really like it. And so uh, took the leap in the middle of a recession um, I was doing a lot of like wholesaling and freelance real estate investing at the time, but I didn't have a solid income. So it was a very stressful time for sure. Uh, but once I actually got out there, our mutual friend, Kendra Rommel actually, uh, 
you know, was working at Condor and, and said, you know, I think you'd uh, be a great fit over here. She and I were doing some investing at the time. And, and that was kind of the segue into uh, getting that opportunity at Condor. How valuable do you feel like your time as an agent has been to your success later on? Uh, very valuable. Uh, I think that as an agent, I mean, you really, you know, it's a sales position, it's a commission position. So you really have to like go out and, you know, call on people, build those relationship skills to where you can build a relationship very quickly. You gotta be very persistent. In the beginning as a realtor, I was calling for sell by owners. I was cold calling people from, they were living in apartment, you know, apartments that wanted to move into houses. So I think I got a lot of repetitions on the, the sales and business development end that I needed, plus a basic understanding of how contracts work, looking at real estate, inspections, financing, all of that. So I really feel like that was a, a good intro to real estate, but obviously becoming an investor is a completely different animal, but I do think that foundation is really helpful for sure. That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah, I um I got my real estate license too. My uh, second year at Condor, and it was the same kind of thing. Like you're getting a good education as an asset manager, but um, you know the they're two they're two very different things that are you know in in, a, in the same industry. Um, but yeah, getting to learn the contracts, working with the first few clients, uh, was a, I felt like a good supplement to what we were learning as asset managers when we worked at uh, Condor together. So back before uh, you and I became partners, John. Um, I don't know if you remember, but you actually kind of helped me overcome my fears and doubts that I had when I took the leap and, and resigned from uh, my asset manager job, my desk job at, at Condor Capital. Uh, you were early on, but I think you had jumped out, um, I don't know, maybe a year ahead of me. And um, at what point, I'm curious, what point uh, when you were working the desk job and, and doing the the cubicle thing, the nine to five, what, what, what point did you start to think about, um, going out into business for yourself and was it an epiphany or was it kind of a gradual, uh, um, decision that you came to there? Sure. So real quick, I'm curious, like, how do you think I helped you back then? I'm just really curious. My well, own. at that time, um, I made the leap and then, um, I remember feeling like, oh man, <laughs> what, what did I just do? Cause I had a commitment from our other partner, Jeff, to, to work together, but there was no, really no business plan. There was no contract between the two of us. I had known him. I'd met him twice in person at that time. And um, so I'm kind of, I'm hoping it'll work, but I'd never, never really been in business for myself in this way. I'd never, and you know, I'd kind of gotten used to the, the stable income that I had been making. And now all of a sudden that stops. And I'm like, okay, I'm excited to to do this and take this leap and work with this guy, Jeff, who I just met, mm -hmm. but no idea whether or not that's going to work out. So I, you know, was talking to some people that had left Condor where you and I had worked and just trying to, you know, network a little bit and kind of see, you know, what people have had gotten into after leaving Condor. And you were one of the few people I remember talking to, uh, a mutual colleague of ours who said, yeah, call John. He's doing some cool um, creative real estate investing and sounds maybe a little similar to what you're doing uh, or what you want to do. So I remember reaching out to you and I think we grabbed lunch and you just kind of said, hey, I'm I'm still out here just kind of figuring it out. I haven't been out on my own for very long, but, you know, stick with it and, um, you know, get, give it a shot. Now's the time. And so just kind of seeing someone else out there doing it. Um, you know, Jonathan also was kind of a few years ahead of me and he was giving me some, uh, some encouragement as well, but it was just kind of, I remember that point in my life, the early, like the, the post jump period, I remember talking with you and, and, uh, obviously it turned into a partnership later with us. So <laughs> yeah, it's such a scary transition. John, John, what was yours like when you left Condor? What, what were you thinking? Like, I'm tired of this. I'm gonna do my own thing. Yeah. So to answer Doug's question, you know, at Condor, I was there for about two years and then I was uh, laid off from that position. So that was really eye opening to me to be just so invested in a company and, you know, putting everything I got into it. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, your whole reality changes. And so that was my first experience of corporate, how you can get just 
laid off real quick. And then all of a sudden it's like, now what am I doing? So, uh, but then that led me to another asset management position for a couple of years. But then again, two years later, they went through downsizing in the market and I got laid off again. But that whole time in the back of my mind, I really kind of like when I was a realtor, I really wanted to be an investor, but I knew those asset management jobs was a necessary step for me to learn the skills in order to make that transition. So once that second layoff happened, I, I looked at it like back when the recession hit in 2009, it was a blessing in disguise. And so I'm like, all right, I think it's, you know, the universe giving me a, a nudge here that it's time to like take the leap and start going on my own. You know, I had the realtor experience. Now I had four years under my belt of managing thousands of assets on somebody else's dime. Now, the biggest challenge that I found in transitioning was the mindset piece. I had a ton of fears and like limiting beliefs and all sorts of just stuff coming up right about the same time, you know, Doug contacted me. It was about a year before I think Doug, when I went on my own, but I was deep in the midst of trying to overcome myself, you know, just like analysis paralysis, just the fear, you know, do I need to go find another job? Like, oh, I'm going to invest and lose money. All sorts of stuff came up and that really led me into just diving deep into understanding like mindset and the importance of that. I learned a lot about the subconscious mind. And that was a huge game changer, learning how to like really take a look at what's going on in your subconscious and then actually like start reprogramming it through like hypnosis and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Because I realized there was a lot of limiting beliefs that I had from, you know, childhood people I was raised around, experiences I had that was holding me back from really like, you know, becoming successful. So that was the next step for, for myself that I had to take was... I had the skills from working at companies, but now it was the mindset piece of being an investor and entrepreneur. That's so awesome. One of the things I was just talking about one of my friends with is this imposter syndrome. Like when mm. you do kind of start making it and, you know, have I've ch had challenges with that. And, you know, I, I know a few of my successful friends have. It's just like, yeah, that psychological game, I feel really is such a untalked about but critical piece of success and breaking through and having the confidence to go with your gut, make it happen. That's such a cool description you just had of how you, how you overcame some of those things. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that, Jonathan, because total transparency, I still deal with that. Yeah. I've had Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. Was I saying that like I crossed the finish line? I meant like, I'm, you know, slowly trying to whittle it down that imposter syndrome. It's like an onion, man. You like, you know, yeah, you go through a couple layers and then, oh man, I thought I was, I processed through this or, you know, yeah. it was above this challenge and then bam, a whole nother wave. So yeah, you're not alone in that. I still navigate stuff like that. Um, I think it's just part of the process, you know? Yeah. Even on this, even on this podcast, you know, just, uh, you know, yeah. thinking about interviewing all these people, um, you know, when Doug and I talked about creating a podcast that was something we wish we had when we started out in the business industry, um, yeah. you know, hearing from the smartest people, getting their tips, hearing their paths and how many different paths there are. And it's like, man, like, am I really the person? I'm not the most eloquent. I'm definitely not the sharpest. Um, is this the, is this the right thing for, for me to be doing? And it's like, you know what, you, you know, you do have a lot of really talented friends and it's important to share their stories. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely battling with that even just as we start this podcast. Oh, no, I hear you. I totally, totally get that. And I think, as human beings, especially in this day and age, we're programmed for fear. Everywhere we go, just fear, 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 just everywhere you turn, you know, you watch the news, you, all sorts of stuff, just getting bombarded constantly. And that's, I would say in 2013, that was the biggest turning point for me is when I realized that, okay, we're getting programmed for fear. I've got some stuff that's like, you know, in my subconscious, hold me back from taking action. So what do I do about it? Well, if we can get programmed for fear, we can probably program ourselves for success in the same way. Well, how do we do that? And that's when I went down the path of just <clears throat> learning about the mind and working with some very high level mentors who teach neuroscience and all sorts of different techniques to help people overcome, you know, those mental obstacles. And yeah, since 2013, literally almost every single day, I listen to, you know, hypnosis before I even get out of bed just to try and like, I'll admit it. I got some like weeds I got to pull out. So, you That's know, awesome. yeah, 
Yeah, we love the transparency. And I think that the fact that people don't talk about it, I think it's probably a yeah. way larger number of people who have those challenges that uh, would benefit from doing stuff like that. But the dedication of doing that is also, I think, probably one of the huge um, reasons you've been so successful is, you know, being able to take the assertiveness to follow through on that every morning. I know I try every morning to wake up and do you know, practice some stoicism and meditations. Yeah. And, you know, every week, you know, it ends up being like three or four days a week instead of the, you know, seven, I wish that it was. Yeah. So good on you. Good on you for being so uh, <laughs> resilient to, to go that long and uh, take care of something that's so important to you. That's yeah, cool, I man. appreciate it. Well, I, I met this guy years ago that changed my life. His name is John Asraf. He was in the movie The Secret. I don't know if you ever have seen that movie. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a company called uh, My Neuro Gym, but he he's who I learned a lot of the subconscious mind stuff about, but he brings up a great point. You know, we spend so much time eating healthy and working out of the gym, but what do you do for your mind? And he, he, he called it, he calls it inner size. He wrote a book called inner size. And that just made a lot of sense to me. You know, we're so external focused on the external, but how are we exercising the mind, you know, meditation, hypnosis, mindfulness, stuff that you're doing. I think there's something to that. So for the entrepreneurs that are going to listen to this, any, I think any endeavor you get into, you really have to like harness the mindset and train your mind. You're either using your mind or your mind's using you really is the way I look at it. So if you, you know, get into real estate or whatever business it is, I think that's a huge game changer for those people who understand how to do that. I think that can really move the needle. So hopefully, you know, you guys reached out. That was one of the main things I wanted to convey on this is, really for any entrepreneur to like be you know mindful of that because that can really move the needle that helped me get over the hump and start taking more action so yeah john you've always it's always been so cool whenever you and you me and jeff uh meet up for our partner meetings and masterminds and you know you, you share with us all the the practices that you do to, to get your mind right so i've always uh, respected that about you um and i've also always enjoyed uh telling friends and family about the story of how you me and jeff uh, went into business together. I think it's um, it's just really cool and and unique that three guys. Uh, you know, we worked obviously in a, in a similar uh, investing the field of real estate investing, but you know everybody does it differently. Um, some people go it alone, other people partner up. But um, I love that story of how you, me, and Jeff uh, formed our partnership. And I'd be interested to hear it from your perspective and see if you could uh, share it with us and with the audience today. Yeah, absolutely. So at that time I was really, you know, I was growing my portfolio slow and steady, but, um, I wasn't really looking for a partnership at the time. And then you reached out and when we got together, I couldn't deny like the synergy that we had between the three of us was like undeniable. We all had different, we had great skill sets like you and I obviously from asset management, but it seemed like we all had a lot to bring to the table to accelerate the opportunity that I kind of stumbled upon with that business model that we've done. And so it was almost like we met, hit it off just as friends, we're talking about business. We saw all these different pieces of the puzzle sitting there. And I don't know, for me, I just feel like the universe kind of brought us together for a reason. And we left that night and it just seemed like everything just kind of flowed organically together. We just started, you know, building this opportunity together and it was like pouring gas on the fire i mean i was getting <laughs> with, i was getting some good traction with what i was doing but the power of the mastermind like they talk about and think and grow rich that was like a perfect example of that you know yeah. your skill set yeah. jeff's skill set all of us coming together the ideas that were flowing with it the resources we all had access to and I look back now, it was such a blessing to become partners with you guys. It was definitely, a, I think, a divine thing and um, definitely grateful for it. Yeah, it was really incredible how it just kind of fell into place. And yeah, the next thing we know, we, we drive home that night. I think we're all pretty pumped. And yeah. and that Monday, we're, we're all working together on the new the new entity. And uh, mm -hmm. we did a lot in, the, in a short period of time. And we still continue to uh, manage our portfolio together and, and work yeah. together. And it's been it's been really cool. Absolutely. It's been awesome. I haven't uh, gotten too much into real estate except for maybe the last like eight years. And I've done mostly syndication deals that just uh, I've been fortunate to be in a good market with those. And of course, the 
artificially propped up economy with 0% interest rates and massive uh, QE for the last 12 years didn't hurt. But um, I was curious what the low hanging fruit you felt was for our audience to get into real estate. Um, someone like me who didn't have much experience, um, what would you recommend they do? Yeah, so the path obviously that I took, I think is very common. Get licensed as a realtor or even a mortgage officer. You know, if you do loans, you can understand the finance business. You're still going to get familiar with real estate. Um, but I would definitely recommend starting um, getting licensed. You're going to learn a lot of the basics. You're going to uh, learn, you know, just looking at real estate, negotiating, finance, and whatnot. But I would say the most powerful way, in my opinion, is there's a term that I don't know if you guys have heard of T. Harbecker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. He's a, Sounds he's familiar. A, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. I read a book of his a long time ago, and he what he calls it is get in the corridor. So essentially what Doug and I did at Condor Capital was we got in the corridor. We worked for a real estate investment company at some capacity so that we could see the inner workings of really how it operates and go through the repetitions on somebody else's dime. Almost like if you want to have a bake a bakery, go work at a bakery first, you know, and really see like what's really going on on the inside instead of just jump right into it. So in whatever capacity, if it's property management, if it's maintenance, if it's asset management, sales, if you can get your foot in the door into some type of real estate company, it doesn't have to be a huge company either. You know, I have a small company with, you know, like five or six people that work for me. If I find somebody who's very persistent and has some skill sets, I take a look at hiring them. And if you can get in with a company like that or somebody like Doug's, I think you could learn a lot that way. And then you can start wrapping your mind around the whole investing, you know, process. And then, um, obviously if you hire a good mentor that can bring you up to speed on a lot of the concepts, that's really good too. But I've, I've found that, um, the most experience I got was through repetitions of actually like doing the work and being able to do that on somebody else's dime versus starting out, having your own capital, borrowing money, like I did as a realtor and it didn't work out so hot. Um, that was, you know, looking back, I would have benefited a lot if I actually had an opportunity to, you know, see how it all operated before I, you know, went forward and bought properties. So that was kind of an expensive lesson to learn, jumping right into rehabbing properties and that type of thing. So one of the, one of the things that uh, came to mind about my mindset during that time from what you were saying is um, I remember when we worked at, at Condor being, I think I was one of maybe 20 asset managers by the time I left to start my own business mm -hmm. and I was successful in the job and I learned a lot in the job and I wouldn't, you know, trade it for the world. My five and a half years there were, were incredible, but I, the last year to two years, I remember thinking often, um, you know, if I were to leave, you know, they, they'd be sad to see me go, but they would just reallocate my assets across the other 19 asset managers. And really they, really, they wouldn't feel it. Right. And then also I didn't have access to, um, the folks that were running the company. You know, you had your portfolio that you come into work every day and you manage, but, um, you know, you're at the end of the day, you're just kind of, you have just the portfolio, <laughs> you know, that you're working. And I always thought if I could go like, before I started, thought about partnering with, with Jeff and with you, my thought was, okay, if I can go to a smaller company, smaller investment company and have access to whoever's running it, the management team, that would give that would maybe be the next stage or step in my development. Um, if I had that access to, to work with them and see what they do behind the curtain. And um, it just so happened, I feel like I was kind of fortunate in being able to, to meet someone like Jeff, who's like, no, I don't want you to come work for me and manage my book and learn from me. I, I want to partner with you. It was kind of actually his idea after I approached him. Cause my thing initially was let me come and manage your portfolio. Cause I, these are wow. the skills I bring. And he said, no, let's, let's be partners. You bring all these different things and I can bring this and that and, and we'll build something special that way. So that kind of was a mind shift, but I think, um, you know, where I was trying to go with that is this, that, you know, being one of like a hundred people at a company doesn't really set you up as well 
um, as being one of like maybe five people at a smaller company or better yet, if you could move into a, um, apprentice role or a partnership role, obviously that's going to, going to accelerate your path. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You were kind of in a unique situation because you for five and a half years were in the corridor working, managing portfolios of assets. And I think Jeff realized that's a lot of value to bring to the table versus somebody who approached him who maybe just got experience doing property management. You know, so I think if you can get into the larger companies and get that experience, put you in more of a powerful position to then possibly have a joint venture partnership like you had with Jeff, you know, but if you met Jeff without all that history, you probably would just be working for him. You know, you wouldn't have as much value to bring to the table unless you had a bunch of capital, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like, it, it was a, a very synergistic um, opportunity, I think for both of us. I think I kind of came to him feeling because he had been in business for himself already for, I don't know, six or seven years at that point. So I remember feeling like kind of a junior partner. And what's really cool about about Jeff and, and also about you, John, is um, I think we all just kind of looked at each other, viewed each other as equals. You know, he and I went in 50-50. And then when the three of us got together, it was 33-33-33. Mm -hmm. And I think in approaching partnerships, it's not always, you're not always going to be able to make it and even partnership because it really depends on what everyone's bringing to the table. But it was what made ours special, I felt like, was that we did have um, a way to, to make it even. And then we could all come at it feeling like nobody's above anybody else and we're all kind of on the same level with each other. I completely agree. And, and that was my hesitancy in getting involved in an equity partnership was not having somebody that is in the trenches that understands what it takes to be successful in real estate, you know, investing, like if you have somebody who just brings the money and they're outside of the day to day, I think that can create some problems. But with us, we are all like in it, we brought skill sets, we brought different resources and we are all managing the business. And so there's a level of understanding that yeah, it's not always going to go perfectly. You're going to have some obstacles, but I think it's really easy for somebody who just have a big checkbook to kind of, pick apart what's going on with the business. So yep. I'm grateful that I found partners that I really like, that have a lot to bring to the table, that are in the business and we can cover for each other. It's not just one person operating, one person with the money. And so, yeah, I think that's important for anybody to consider uh, when they're getting into a partnership is or some of those things we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a super critical piece that a lot of people don't miss is partner with people that are quality people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> partner with partner with people that are quality people because yeah, it sounds like there was some some real respect mutual respect between all of you and i had kind of a similar setup with uh the partnership i've had with a few of my companies where you know i kind of came in um feeling like i didn't have as much to bring to the table um but the partner saw what i was bringing to the table and they said like yeah like a you know let's make this happen equally this is a really important piece that you're yeah. bringing um, and I think those partnerships really are a healthy way of starting where you have people that see this, the quality in you instead of trying to get the extra pieces of equity, those extra percentage points. So that might be a red flag that people should look out for. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it comes down to when you're designing your lifestyle, you know, if you get into an equity partnership that is not the right dynamic, and then you go try and travel for a period of time, there's going to be certain expectations there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, what's going on? Well, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be traveling and have somebody like breathing down my neck. So <laughs> that, that's kind of been a factor with how I've grown my business as well, being strategic about that. That's super smart. One of the uh, questions we like to ask each of our guests is, um, uh, what is your personal definition of entrepreneurship? Hmm. I would say... Creating something that creates freedom of lifestyle, freedom of freedom financially, um, freedom of ideas to create something the way that I want to create it, you know, not having to answer to somebody like and run every single thing past somebody, just having the ability to just be a creator, really, um, at the end of the day, like to me, 
you know, I've done the corporate thing and I know all the layers of approvals you have to run through to get something done. Um, I really like the ability to just create, really create real estate, cash flow, create a lifestyle. So that, I don't know if that answered the question, but that's what comes to that's mind. Awesome. No, it's perfect. Yeah, that's kind of the purpose of the question because it is such a fluid um, question. It, it's very personal for each person. Um, yeah. I think that was a really good definition. And it's super cool, odd that you would have the word freedom in there since this is the Find Your Freedom podcast. <laughs> Thank you for when working Doug that into <laughs> the answer. <laughs> we appreciate yeah. that. You know, when Doug and I were going through the, I don't know, the list it was like 100 names or something and yeah. we were trying to figure out what the right fit was. When that one kind of came through, it's like, yeah. Find your freedom, FYF, like it really kind of like simply um, explained what we were trying to, trying to get across to everyone is like, yeah, everyone's working towards getting their freedom in, in different ways with so many different paths. And the way that you just defined it, I thought really was um, super cool. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, to just parlay off of that, you know, find your freedom. Like for me, one of the things that dawned on me was... I read this through a book, but I realized working at corporate was until I find a way to quit trading my hours for dollars, I'll never be free. That's awesome. I just couldn't do it's it. Powerful. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah. So that's it. Like you have to find a way to not be trading your hours for dollars. Otherwise you are going to be on that hamster wheel the rest of your life because you only have so much time. So you have to find a way to, you know, create leverage through creating cash flow or businesses or whatnot. But that's why I really like about what you guys are doing. You guys are helping aspiring entrepreneurs to figure that out. And I think it's an important conversation to have, like, how do I do that? Well, you're not going to make that transition. If all you're doing is earning money by the hour, you have to find, you know, ways to earn money when you're sleeping to leverage that type of thing. So that's awesome. Beautiful. Uh, one of your superpowers, John, that I've always admired is how you've been able to build such valuable relationships with vendors. I know a big piece of kind of what you do um, on an annual basis is you try to get out to conferences and, and meet folks and network and stuff. Um, I feel like it's been a huge building block of your success as I've watched you and worked with you over the years. Um, is this uh, something that kind of comes naturally for you, would you say, or, or is it a skill that you've kind of worked to develop over the years? Um, I think I've always had a natural ability to build relationships pretty quickly, but, um, I actually was doing business development, um, in the late nineties for like a trucking company, literally just cold calling other trucking companies was like the, the least glamorous job you can ever imagine. I'm like walking into these like trailers on these huge lots, trying to sell trucking, you know, services. So, but with that. You know, I learned just talking to anybody, building a relationship, building rapport quickly, trying to get, you know, somebody to do business with me. And so I found that between that and then transitioning to being a realtor after that, between all the repetitions of just doing the sales and the business development to try and find clients, that has served me pretty well with going to real estate conferences, networking with people, um, just being very persistent to do that and building those relationships really quickly. So I think it, it's a little bit of both, but, but yeah, I will completely agree that, that, you know, has definitely served me well over the years to just get out go to conferences and meet people and network and constantly be learning, listening to different panels at these, you know, places is really helpful. But um, yeah, so I'd say it's a little bit of both, but it's definitely a skill you can learn. It's just a matter of getting out there and practicing really. So for you, it kind of came from, doing the sales, doing the cold calling, working those really difficult and, and grueling positions early in your career. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward later, when you show up at these conferences, you're like, okay, I can walk and hit these booths and talk to each of these folks. And it feels easy compared to probably a lot of the calls that you're making at, at some of those less enjoyable jobs early on Absolutely. in the, in the journey. Absolutely. Are there any tips that you could tease out one or two maybe that you kind of do or think about when you walk through these conferences or when you're thinking about, you know, attending, attending the trade shows and things, is there anything that you kind of keep in mind or plan on doing when you arrive? Yeah, absolutely. So what I found with these conferences is if you don't have, if you don't review everything in advance, you just get swept away 
by the energy and conversation just with random people. You have to go into it very focused on what what your main objectives are. So I'd recommend if anybody, you know, is going to these conferences, look at the agenda ahead of the schedule, look at the sponsors of the exhibits and see who's sponsoring each booth to figure out if, you know, if you're looking for somebody in property management or capital or whatever aspect it is, you need to pick those out in advance and really, you know, mark that down to, you know, be a high priority to go talk with them. Otherwise you can kind of just go to the conference, start talking to people and it'll, you know, go by in a couple of days and you look back and you won't seize the opportunity to speak with people you need to talk with. Also, uh, what's been very successful for me is sitting in on the panel discussions. And, you know, if you see somebody speaking, that's an executive at a company that you're looking to talk with, go up to them after they get done talking. A lot of times the really hard to find people are not at the booth. They're like in private meetings and all that. So if you can kind of seize the opportunity and go up there real quick and grab their card, have a you know quick little dialogue with them, then you can follow up with them after the conference. That can work out well as well. But that's more oh, on, cool. yeah, on the higher end, you know, executive level people. But um, I'd say, you know, find those target rich environments for whatever aspect you're looking to, you know, go after, whether it be capital, um, maintenance, field services, uh, product, whatever it is, and just really go dive in and network. That's really cool. I, I, one of the things that you said, um, I've, you know, we've all been to these things where you're watching someone speak and you're like, wow, that guy is way up here and, you know, so, so smart, so intelligent, so far down the path in, in their career. Um, man, I want to get to where that person is. And then they finish their talk, they walk off the stage and you thought, man, I probably should have probably should have tried to, to get in their ear and, and have a, a quick chat with them and, and you let that opportunity go by. So going in with a plan, I think was another big thing that you kind of touched on there. So having a plan when you show up and just being ready to, to, uh, you know, take that, take on that challenge of walking up to that person that you may be kind of nervous to meet yep. and seeing if you can, you know, get their card and, and, uh, strike up a little dialogue there and get them to remember you and maybe follow up with them after afterwards so very cool yeah just, um just to follow up on that just so, to help people out so yeah look at the exhibitors but then also look at who's speaking right oh, i need to go to this like one hour session because this person is speaking there they may there may be five people speaking but there may be that one contact that could really move your business forward if you're able to make that contact now right. there may be 15 people trying to talk with the person after, so it may be like a paparazzi situation. But <laughs> if you you know you can get their card, you can always follow up and have some type of contact with a higher level person. So I'd recommend like picking those sessions that you want to go listen to to educate yourself, and then also seize those opportunities if they're if they're there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you've done an amazing job of that, John, and I. I, I want to thank you because I think I've been a little bit of a beneficiary on um, some of that <laughs> success you've had on on, <laughs> on doing all that. Thanks. Man. Um, so we've touched on freedom a little bit uh, earlier in this conversation, but um, you know, finding finding freedom and achieving freedom looks a little different for for everyone in their life. Uh, what they're looking for. Um, I know over the years of working with you, travel has been a big central piece of the freedom you've created for yourself and your family. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really cool when it's fun to take a one week, two week trip with your family. But what's cool about what, what the Kiko family does is these are, these are one month trips. These are two month trips and it's not just vacation. It's not all play. It's work and play. And you've, um, I think created a really successful formula for, for getting both in on these trips. You're seeing the world and getting kind of an immersive experience. Um, can you tell us, you know, some of the places that you've set up shop and, um, how you kind of developed this successful formula over the years? Sure. Um, well, first off, I want to say that one of the reasons why I think I've wanted to create this type of an experience is both my parents passed away young. So I realized that there's no guarantee that we're going to be here till we're 60 or 70 to go to these places. There's no guarantee we're going to have our loved ones with us. I mean, it could change in an instant. So I think that's kind of been in the back of my mind when I wanted to design my business in order to go experience this now. 
instead of waiting. So um, places I've been uh, all over Spain, Paris, London, Prague, Croatia, Greece, Italy, France, um, typically like one to, we usually do like, I don't know, one month at a time in each country, usually two. We've gone, we've done a trip three months long. That was, that was a long one, but yeah, over the past like five years, I think we've spent about a year over in Europe, just kind of cruising around, but it's, it's just awesome when you can, I've just found that if you can post up in one area for about that three or four week period, it's a completely different experience than going on a, like a two week binge vacation that you just kind of start getting the groove and then you're like, Oh shoot, now I'm going home. You right. know, right. what we found is if we're able to be mobile enough. We can go to these places and take the time to settle in, get to kind of get to know the culture. You're seeing the same people at the coffee shops, kind of going to the grocery store, cooking meals, having that experience, but you also aren't in like this exhausting vacation mode where you're just running a million miles an hour for two weeks. I could take the time to work like a full day a week and really like dive into the business. And then like a few hours a day later at night after I've gone out and kind of explored around. So I've, I've kind of found that right flow when I do it. It is a little tricky at times because business happens and stuff, you know, comes up, but um, that's kind of been the formula for me is if I'm there long enough, I can kind of adapt my schedule and, uh, you know, still take time to work on the business, but not as much time as I normally would if I'm obviously home. But, um, it was trying always trying to find that right balance to where I could be out exploring the world, running a business mobily and, you know, still growing it. That was kind of always the goal. Yeah, it's so funny hearing Doug, you know, like I told you earlier, he references you a lot, obviously, as his business partner. He's like, oh, yeah, Kikul's in Barcelona for a few weeks, and then another month or two goes by. Yeah, Kikul's in uh, Ibiza for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always be like, man, is this guy, is he cranking away working while he's there? Is he uh, yeah. just uh, traveling around? But to to be able to get to know the country, you're kind of our inspiration uh, I have two little daughters now, and it's like, yeah, we got to get our our daughters to go visit the countries that my wife's family's from and the, where I'm from. And my wife's like, yeah. let's go for a week, and I'm like, no, let's do this month thing. I know yeah. this really cool guy, <laughs> Kiko, I keep hearing about. <laughs> so you're an inspiration for us. Was this kind of a a design plan for you to uh, have this mobility and flexibility, or has that just worked out with the career? Yeah, for the longest time, I always had in the back of my mind. I'd love to be able to just have a portfolio of real estate where I could just log on from anywhere on a laptop and work from anywhere and not have, not miss a beat. So that was in the back of my mind on how, how can I create that? And obviously real estate's a great, great way to do that. You can, you know, manage it from anywhere, but, um, kind of depends on the business model. Obviously, if you're doing something that you're more involved in in a certain location, that's different. But for what I do, that was always kind of part of the design is to create cash flow that I can manage from anywhere and just create that freedom. It's one thing to have, you know, freedom if you, you know, live in the same city and just have that freedom. But that's the next level for me is, wow, if I could go somewhere for a month, that's pretty cool. That was always kind of part of the, part of the goal. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, I think that's something that we're kind of going over a little bit, but it's like, that should be part of everyone's uh, thought process when they are looking at what they want to get into. All right, well, how much freedom do I want to have? How labor intensive is it going to be? Am I able to be able to work remotely? Um, these are all questions I think that young people or uh, people who are in their corporate jobs and wanting a change should be asking themselves. You know, I needed to, to, to go work in something that fits my lifestyle that I want to have in five years. Mm -hmm. And I think most people don't even take that step into account. So it's really cool that you had that um, foresight to think about those things. So. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Jonathan, because I think it's so often you'll come across people who sacrifice their health to build wealth, you know, and I've just, I could have a lot more properties and a larger business right now, but each person's different. Each person has a different like dynamic with their wife or their kids or their families or, you know, tolerances to certain things. 
So I think each person has to tune in with themselves and just figure out, you know, what that level is where they can maintain overall well-being. Because it doesn't make any sense if you go out there and just, you know, burn your health up, making a bunch of money, you know, and then you create other problems in a different area. So I think it's just a constant, like, adjustment. I constantly looking at that in my own life, you know, it's time to like ramp it up a little bit. Oh, it's time to like back off a little bit, depending on what's going on in my life. Because I, I have seen people that would just go gangbusters till they're 50 and they have their first heart attack when they're my age. It's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. It's important. It's important to keep that perspective for sure. We've had a couple other um, guests say similar things, you know, you really want to plan out where you want to be and yeah. yeah, you can, you know, double your work hours and make more money, but what's the trade-off there? So being yeah. conscious of that is a really important thing. I think that you're bringing up. Um, another thing I wanted to clarify is on the intro, we talked a little bit about what you do. I was wondering if you could uh, describe for our audience a little bit more clarity, what that is. Yeah. So I purchase, uh, foreclosed properties from different, uh, bank connections that I have typically. Um, and offer affordable home ownership, either I, on seller financing or lease options. So I kind of uh, fit in, fill a need for uh, people who are aspiring homeowners who aren't able to get uh, traditional financing for properties, actually become their bank and offer them affordable terms like a rent to own type scenario. So it serves a lot of people who, you know, they may be in the process of repairing their credit or just don't have the situation to go or the finances to go get a traditional loan, uh, buy a property and offer them affordable terms so that they can actually get into a house and over time own it if they uh, make the payments. And then I also buy properties and and uh, flip them as well. And I do a lot of wholesaling as well. I have a, I have a lot of um, good connections with different banking channels and uh, I can't buy all the properties that are for bid. So I work with you know, partners and close friends like Doug who want to expand their business and um, offer that opportunity to people that I can trust and, and I like. So that's beautiful. Thanks for that description. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing how kind of you're uh, closing the circle on the conversations of the skills that you've worked on in the different pieces of your resume and building the relationships. You know, you're talking about these really critical relationships that you have. Yeah. And those don't happen accidentally and they don't happen overnight. So it, yep. it really, for me, like is bring it full circle on you've put the time in, you've consciously thought about how I can nurture these relationships, how I can um, make it mutually uh, beneficial for, for the parties yep. um, and how it's worked out to, to really, you know, give a lot of value that you bring and it's uh, relationships mm -hmm. don't take a lot of uh, time, <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of labor. Um, so once you have them, then you're able to really um, bear the fruits of those. So I think that's super cool. It's cool that this is, you know, I'll say it again, this, this podcast really has turned into um, what Doug and I wish we would have been able to listen to, you know, back in the day when we got out of college or when we were in our corporate jobs looking for, um, uh, you know, a different path. And I think it's awesome that you've been able to pull the curtain back on the real estate world and give us a piece that I don't even think a lot of people even know about. Um, and you're obviously been super successful with it and you've described it in a way that I think has been really digestible for people today. And, um, I super appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thank Sean. you. I appreciate that. Um, so we always finish the podcast with, um, some recommendations from the guest of tools, books, or podcasts that they would recommend for the audience. I know just off the cuff, you've been like incredible at recommending some books and some people to follow. Um, is there any other more like that, that you think that we should point out to the guests? Yeah. So if the subconscious mind conversation resonated with people, if people feel like they're struggling with that type of situation in their own life, there's a website they can go to called my neurogym.com. So that's M Y N E U R O G Y M.com. And John Asaraf is the uh, the gentleman who has that company, and he's who I met years ago and worked really closely with as a mentor. But they've got various different programs on that website for hypnosis and different modalities to help you really retrain your mind and inner size. So I'd highly recommend checking that out. There's a lot of different programs on there. The one that I did that really helped me out was called 
winning the game of money. And he goes deep into just dissecting like your limiting beliefs and what you need to overcome the fears and all that to get to the next level in whatever business you're in. So I'd highly recommend that for anybody who feels like that, maybe where they're at, feel if they're, if they feel like they're kind of stuck, I would check that out. Um, if you have a business that you're really looking to scale and grow, I highly recommend a, a book called Traction. That's an excellent book for people. Um, the E-Myth Real Estate Investor is a really good book. Uh, really dives deep into just all the nitty gritty of things you need to do to really build a company and scale it and actually figure out how you can work on your business instead of just in your business. Because that's really the transition that I've found is how do I get out of just fielding all these calls and doing all this like daily work and actually like go and enjoy my life. So I kind of had to figure out how to make that transition. That book was really helpful. John, those last two, let me just jump in. Those last two that you recommended, Emith yeah. and Traction, you yeah. recommended those to me years ago. I've read Traction two or three times now. And Emith, um, I mean, those two books, particularly for uh, real estate investors, but also anyone looking to um, learn the mechanics of how to build, grow and operate the business. Those have been phenomenal um, books that uh, I so appreciate you uh, recommending. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot too. Absolutely. And then I think Doug, you'll definitely agree with this one. I think for us, a huge game changer in our, our real estate businesses is when we got to a really good um, asset management system like Buildion or Propertyware. So for the real estate investors listening here, Having a good system like that to manage your properties is a game changer. And both of those, um, they're part of the same company, but Propertyware or Buildium, I would highly recommend either one of them. They're excellent, excellent uh, tools for managing properties. So whatever, you know, if you have any type of rentals or flips or whatever you're doing, or even non or even performing or non-performing notes, it could be a good system for that as well. So highly recommend. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. This is really, really informative. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you better, John. It's like um, all these years of hearing these incredible stories <laughs> have come to life and uh, you've exceeded expectations. We really appreciate you sharing your insight in the real estate world with us. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Yeah, John, it's been a very fruitful and rewarding eight years that you and I have had the opportunity to work together and yeah. very, very proud of what you and I have built over these years and, and, um, the relationship as well has been, um, very impactful. So thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate you guys. I really like what you guys are doing with podcasts. I think you guys are going to help a lot of, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs out. So a, I'm very grateful that you guys had me on today. So thank you. Pleasure. Thanks.